I have always been really fascinated by relationships and how people interact with one another. For some reason, human to human connection and interaction and everything that goes along with all of that has always fascinated me. What empathy means, what connection means, what trust means, what hurting someone means, what dialogue means, all of these things that combined make up the fabric of interconnectedness and what it means to be in relationship with others. And so I've spent most of my life observing myself in relationship and observing people around me in relationship, while also doing my best to study and research as much as possible about what it means to be a human interacting with other humans. And it's a vast subject, right? It's a vast area of study. It's not even just one subject. It's many, many subjects, but it is it is an area of life that just en- is endlessly fascinating to me. And one of the areas that I find the most important, not just for being a human, living with other human beings on a regular basis, but especially right now in the context of our our history in this country and in the state of the world is what does security mean in relationships? What does trust actually look like? What does it mean to feel safe when you're in a relationship with the other person or with many people? And so today I'm going to be exploring what that looks like, what that means, because I think we all know what it's like to not feel safe in relationships, whether that be a relationship with another person in a group setting or even in relationship with ourselves. So I think it's important to clarify what does safety and security mean? How can we identify it and how can we work to cultivate it? So that it's something that we experience on a regular basis as a foundational key component to our ability to thrive and feel stable and rooted and supported in who we are and where we're going. My name is Hollis Maloney. This is the Design Life Podcast. And today we're talking about security in relationships. years ago, I found myself in a very controlling romantic relationship and a very kind of bullying relationship with a business partner at the same time. (laughs) And at the time, I remember knowing really, really deep down that something was wrong in both of the relationships, but I didn't know I didn't know what it was and I didn't know how to name it. And because I didn't know how to name it, I didn't know how to work with it. I felt every single day, this impending sense of doom, this 
deep anxiety that hit me the second I woke up and followed me until I was so exhausted I had to sleep. I suffered from insomnia. I lost a ton of weight because I couldn't eat and I just was struggling all around. I had a thriving business, two businesses, actually. This is when I owned a yoga studio in in Ridgewood, Queens. I still had my graphic design business at the time. And so from the outside, things looked like they were going really well. But on the inside, I felt deeply insecure about the people that I had chosen to surround myself with in my love life and in my business. So looking back at that period of time in my life, I would have loved to know what security meant in a relationship. And I think many of us fall into these types of relationships where all of a sudden we wake up one day and we realize that we feel really unsafe or we're feeling increasingly insecure about ourselves and it's due to the fact that we've we've chosen somebody or we've chosen a relationship dynamic that is making us feel less and less connected to who we are and the strength of character that we have within us and the value that we bring to the table. So it's my goal in this particular podcast episode to talk about how security is represented in relationship dynamics and how we can witness it and cultivate it and build it. So first, I want to define what safety means, just the definition of safety. So we have a baseline for discussing what safety and security feels like. So safety is the condition of being protected from or unlikely to cause danger, risk, or injury. And when we think about this in a relationship capacity, this means physically that we are not being put in any physical harm or we're not likely to become injured purposefully. And on an emotional level, we have to also consider that we will not be put in danger or harm's way emotionally. We will not be emotionally abused or harmed or hurt purposefully by another person. So this is relatively straightforward, right? When someone purposefully physically injures you or purposefully emotionally injures you, that is creating an environment that is not safe. And even though that might seem pretty explicit and clear, there are obviously situations in which we are connected to another person very deeply and either we or the other person purposefully harms us out of anger, out of hurt, out of fear. The thing about relationships is that we enter into them with everything that we've carried with us in our own lives. And I always love to think about relationships as these containers for healing. We're meant to connect. We're meant to grow. We're meant to see ourselves reflected back to us. We're meant to support and love and care for one another, but also the more we feel safe and supported by the other person, 
the more our past wounds and previous injuries can start to come to the surface in order to be healed. So no matter what relationship you're in, there will be moments where hurt comes up and it might not be necessarily connected to the person who's in the relationship with you. It might be something from from the past that is being triggered by the person that you're currently with. But if we remember that relationships are containers for healing, we can remember that there is space for evolution. We can start to look at the hurt that we carry with us and examine, is this something that is actually being provoked by the person that I'm with, or is this is this something from the past that is being provoked and brought to the surface in order for me to heal? And can I heal this with the person that I'm with? I think that is one of the strongest testaments to a relationship is if you can bring your past hurts to the table, even if they're being provoked by the person that you're with, if you can bring them to the table and work on healing them with the other person. If the other person offers you the space, the ear, the support, the encouragement, the honesty to be able to look at what you might have been holding for a long time and work on it with you, then that is a very key component to creating a sense of security and safety. So being protected entirely from physical or emotional harm is not necessarily guaranteed in every, every relationship. I think we all know that. However, when we're talking about some of these components, I want to, I want to be very clear that there is a boundary line beyond which a relationship becomes unsustainable or unhealthy, but you get to determine where that boundary line exists We all go into our relationships with a lot of conditioning from our families, from our cultures, from media, et cetera, from what we've witnessed and been exposed to in our own lives. And so that will determine the relationships that we attract and the the boundaries that we're comfortable with. But my boundaries and relationships in my romantic relationships, business partnerships, friendships, familial relationships, et cetera, are not going to be the same as yours. And so it's important to consider, especially when it comes to physical and emotional safety and not being harmed, what is that boundary line? What does physical harm look like? Because that can be really vast. It's not just perhaps the initial domestic violence imagery that we might think of. It could also be anything to do with food, environment, sexual behavior, So what does that look like for you? And then emotional harm, same thing. Some people are much more comfortable with teasing or really poking at someone in their soft spots. And that can be a part of a relationship dynamic if that's fun and comfortable for you. And maybe it provides more safety and security. But for others, that might feel limiting and constricting and critical. So what does that sense of physical and emotional protection from harm? What does that look like for you? And I encourage you as I go through these these components of security that you write down a few things or, or come back and jot down a few ideas that you have so that you really get clear what are the boundaries that you have around 
these components to security and relationships. So after that foundational level of safety being defined, the next thing that I think is a very, very key component to feeling secure is being allowed to be vulnerable. And vulnerability is the quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed, either physically or emotionally. So this goes back to what I was just describing, where perhaps you are recognizing that some really, really painful history is starting to come up for you, and it's time for you to bring it to the surface and work through it with your partner. And again, when I say partner, I'm not just talking about romantic partner, but business partner, close friend, family, etc. So being able to bring that kind of intimacy and honesty and feeling able to, to express it in such a way that feels safe, that you feel like you will be seen, that you will be heard, that what you have experienced will be acknowledged, and then will also be supported in whatever way that you need is also extremely key to building on that security, that foundational security and relationship. You know, when I think back to one of the first interactions I had with my, with my business partner, this is before we even opened the yoga studio, I was, I was really unsure about the business partnership. It was my first time really making a huge financial leap with another person. And as excited as I was about it, I, I had doubts and I was, I was confused and I wanted to work out some of the details with my business partner. And I was young ish. I was 28 at the time. And, you know, I, I really didn't know too much about what bullying looked like because I, I never, I mean, I experienced it a little bit as a child, but not to the point where I could identify it or, or pinpointed it if, if I was experiencing it. So anyways, I brought my concerns to my business partner and what I got in response was essentially verbal bullying of really making me feel like I didn't know what I was talking about, that I was a dishonest person and that it was an all or nothing kind of scenario that I either had to commit fully to the business partnership or essentially just let go of everything. And I think back to that conversation that I had and how I really just had some doubts that I wanted to, to be expressed and that I wanted to clarify. And what I got in return was defensiveness and making me feel as though something was wrong with me. And I know that as I share this story, that there are so many of you thinking of very, very similar situations where you have brought something to the table in a relationship to somebody else and wanted to work on it with them. And you've been met with defensiveness or anger or aggression. And that is a key red flag, right? That is a key warning sign that this relationship does not have the space for vulnerability, for this, for healing, for discussion, for, um, for insecurity. 
that you in particular might not be, um, be allowed to have that space because of the insecurities of the other person or the doubts of the other person. So that's a clear example of insecurity in a relationship, but the opposite of that, what security would look like is being met with openness, with compassion, with understanding, with the space to want to work through whatever it is that you're bringing to the table. And not only that, with the sincere desire to be understood, you know, so much of relationships is also so much about listening to the other person and not just listening in the sense that you hear what they're saying, but really, really empathizing, really being able to hear their experience and speak to their experience and help them feel seen and understood and validated and working from that space. So even if you're in a conflict with the other person, even if the vulnerability is being expressed around a conflict, there is still the desire and the space for you to both be seen, acknowledged, recognized, heard, and validated because there is no space for conflict resolution if there is not space for vulnerability. When I think about conflict, it's I, I think I say this all the time. So if I've said it in a, another podcast, I apologize, but it's two opposing forces coming together to find a resolution that works for both parties. And you cannot find a resolution that works for both parties or for all people involved, unless there is clear space for all people to be vulnerable and to express what their needs are and for those needs to be heard. So vulnerability being the second biggest component. And what does that look like for you? You know, what does vulnerability look like for you? What does, when have you felt the most vulnerable in your relationships and how have, how, how have you been responded to? How have they been received by the other person? How have you been able to not only express, but grow from that expression of vulnerability? And it's not just vulnerability in you know, expressing how you've been hurt or how you are hurt, but also how you love and how you, you express affection and connection with the other person. I think a lot of us also struggle with really expressing our deep, sincere affection and appreciation of other people because we have a hard time receiving that for ourselves. And it's not modeled to us very well, (laughs) you know, this sort of like fake humbleness is is modeled to us in a really strong way, but being able to actually earnestly express love and appreciation for someone is also a, a very deep and very real expression of vulnerability. So when have you done that and how has it been received? And if you've had experiences that have been less than secure, if you think of moments where you've expressed yourself in a really vulnerable kind of exposing kind of way, and you've been met with, with sarcasm or insincerity, or as I said before, anger or defensiveness, what would you have wanted to receive in that moment? Because what you would have wanted is your definition of what being able to be vulnerable looks like in a relationship. And then how have you also made space for other people to be vulnerable? When have other people come to you and 
express their hurts or their affection or their deep, sincere emotions and experiences? And how have you returned that space for vulnerability? And if you are thinking of experiences where maybe you haven't responded in the way that you wanted to, how could you do it better next time? How could you do it with more alignment with who you are next time? Or how can you, how have you done it better? And how can you amplify those responses for future experiences with others? Now to piggyback on that aspect of security, the next thing that I would really focus on is resiliency from conflict. And if you think about relationships that you've had in your life, this is where I start to think about family members because, (laughs) because family members, you know, I don't have siblings myself. I have two stepbrothers who I'm not super close to, but, but I think about other people with siblings or even parents, cousins, aunts, uncles, you know, there are lots of opportunities for conflict, but family for the most part, well, you know, families stick together for the most part. I'm not going to say all the time, um, because, you know, families do separate and there are unfortunate circumstances in which families divide themselves. But for the most part, there is the phrase blood is thicker than water. And that I think a lot of people do take to heart. So there is kind of this important quality that comes with being in a family dynamic that can also blend into our other relationships that is resiliency from conflict. How do you have a conflict, resolve that conflict and work through that conflict and then continue to grow because of that conflict? There are so many studies that show that the most successful relationships are those that have fights or have disagreements, have arguments and bounce back from them, work through them, work with them, grow from them, evolve from them. Because again, when we're thinking about relationships as containers for healing and containers for growth, there's going to be friction. There's going to be soft spots that become exposed, those vulnerability spots, right? And we have to be able to move through that friction and those sensitive pain points to be able to get to the other side and heal and evolve and continue moving forward. We have to be able to develop some sort of scar tissue, which by the way, scar tissue in the human body ends up becoming the toughest (laughs) of all of the, the connective tissue in the body. So when we think about creating some sort of scar tissue or creating a wound and then, and then healing and developing scar tissue as a metaphor for our relationship, we're really creating some of the strongest, toughest parts of our relationships that are so resilient, so foundational so key to, to our stability and security. So we have a whole podcast episode about conflict and relationships specifically, but I again, just want to touch on what resilience from conflict can look like for a deeper dive. You can look at one of our earlier episodes, which is navigating conflict and relationships, but on an essential level, as I said, conflict is two opposing forces coming together to find a resolution that works for both parties. And the most important aspect of resolving conflict is honesty and vulnerability. So if we've already established that vulnerability is accessible, that there's space for vulnerability in the relationship, then it's possible to then express vulnerability in conflict. 
And then the second aspect to that is being able to be honest, to be able to be sincere and to be clear with what it is that we're expressing. And for this, I really recommend, you know, taking time, taking space, writing things down when high emotions are involved, as they usually are in conflict, it can be really easy to not see what is going on clearly. So taking time, taking space, taking whatever you need to be able to clarify and soften some of the intense emotions and then see specifically what's going on so that you can speak to the experience rather than just the emotions or with the emotion can be really helpful in being able to then name what it is that has been hurt and then name what it is that you need and make the request for that need to be met. And this is where I also really recommend looking into nonviolent communication as a practice. It's something that I use with my coaching clients, something that I teach with my coaching clients. It's a fantastic resource and tool to be able to provide language and a structure for when something has been hurt, if you have been wronged in a relationship, if something has been broken, to be able to start building the conversation around how to take action steps to rebuild whatever has been damaged. And so with vulnerability, with honesty and communication, and then also, and this is potentially is one of the toughest parts about conflict resolution is having compassion. Whenever I think about conflicts, I don't necessarily think of them all as 50-50. You know, obviously sometimes conflicts happen out of nowhere and can be very much one-sided. But there are always at least two people involved. And there is usually something that one person, even if they are, quote unquote, the victim of the the harming, can look to to see how they can make the conflict or how they can resolve the conflict, even if it means just expressing their needs, because that needs to be that needs to be met. Now, obviously here we're talking about security and relationships. So, if you're bringing a conflict to the table and you're attempting to be vulnerable, you're attempting to be honest, you're attempting to express compassion and those things are not being met in return, then that's creating insecurity. That's creating instability, right? However, if it is being met in return, if you are able to express and receive compassion, if the other person is expressing compassion, then it is just creating so many doors, so many pathways towards building that scar tissue, weaving that those threads of connect- connective tissue and being able to move forward past that, um, past that conflict. I know this is really quickly where I want to address a question that was sent in from one of the listeners, which is how do you know if your relationship is insecure or if you're just going through a tough time? So <laughs> this is, this is something that I, I really kind of like to leave to you to think about because this is again, a boundary line that, that will be different for everybody. You know, I have an aunt who's been married to her husband for decades. I don't know how long, but they've been married since they were very young. And she, she told my cousin once, she said, you know, there were years that I hated him years, (laughs) years. And then there are years that I loved him more than 
you know, any other person on the planet. So when we're thinking about the context of our relationships, I want you to think about what the, what the longevity is. And if this is, if this is someone that you're deeply committed to, you know, I have best friends who I've gone months without talking to, or we've had weird tiffs and not spoken for a year and we get over it and we move on and we grow from that and we heal from that. And so every relationship is going to look different in terms of what a tough time is or, or deep insecurity is. And also how much you want to put up with the tough times, because again, that's going to look different for absolutely everybody. When I'm talking about insecurity, real foundational insecurity, we can name just the things that I've already addressed, which is, are your boundaries for physical and emotional safety, the ability to not be harmed, are those being crossed on a regular basis? Is your, is there space for you to be vulnerable or is there no space for you to be vulnerable? There's no space for you to be vulnerable, likely creating insecurity. Are you able to resolve from conflict in a way that meets both of your needs or all people's needs? And if not, that's likely a sign of insecurity. So again, going through a tough time. That's the part that is variable to you, but looking at what we've named already in this episode, and I have just a few more key components to security, but just even looking at what we've already discussed, you can start to ask yourself, is this a secure relationship or is this insecure? And one of the biggest things too that you can examine is, do you doubt yourself in the relationship or how often do you doubt yourself in the relationship? How often do you doubt your own opinions, your own choices, your own preferences, your own abilities, your own talents? When I think about the romantic relationship I was in that was really manipulative and very controlling and created so much anxiety for me, the biggest thing that it created was self-doubt. And I was doubting virtually everything about myself. And that was the biggest sign of insecurity not just in myself, but in the relationship, the relationship was insecure and it was triggering insecurity in me. So very clearly you can know the quality of insecurity by the doubt you have in yourself and the depth of that doubt. If you experience a little bit of doubt in relationship, that might even be a little bit healthy every once in a while, because that's a little bit of friction for growth. But if you're experiencing a lot of it, it's probably a pretty insecure relationship. Now I just have two more key components (laughs) to what a secure relationship requires um, and how you can spot it and how you can build it. But to wrap up the the resiliency from conflict section, I would love for you to think about relationships that you've been in where you've had conflict and the conflicts have been unresolved in a way that feels it makes you feel unsupported, doubtful, your needs have not been met or given to you. And you've felt like there has been something lacking, or there has been a loss because of the lack of resiliency from the conflict. 
And then I would love for you to think of a time or an experience where you've had conflict with somebody and you were able to be vulnerable, honest, and express compassion. And you were able to resolve that conflict and move on and get stronger. And use these two examples to then define what does resiliency from conflict look for you? What are the boundaries? What's the definition? What does it look like? What does it feel like? So that you can know it and spot it again in the future. Now, the second to last thing that I will bring up is built on all of these things. And it's trust. Trust produced by proof of action, not just words, but action. And trust is the firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. So when we're talking about trust in another person, we're talking about words that are followed up by actions, actions that connect to what somebody says they're going to do, that their character represents who they say they are. I really want to emphasize the proof of action aspect because people can say all sorts of things. They can pretend to be all sorts of things, but their actions will clearly tell you if they're reliable, trustworthy, honest, and if they show up with integrity. This is this is where it takes a little bit of time to observe this because you know, I think a lot of us enter into relationships with a certain level of trust, and then that trust either gets disproven or approved, affirmed. So I want you to think about a relationship where you've met somebody, and then after a little bit of time, you've recognized that perhaps they aren't who they say they are, or they've said they're going to do things and they do the opposite, or they behave in the opposite way they over time prove to be untrustworthy people. And then I'd like for you to think about people who you've met and they have affirmed that trust by proof of action where they've shown up, they've, they've done what they've said they're going to do and they continue to do so. And trust is a funny thing, right? Because trust is also something that can be given to people and they can rise to the occasion. And then trust is also something that can be given and people can take advantage of it. So think about those moments too, where you've trusted somebody, perhaps without proof of action, without previous proof of action that they'll do it. And they've really risen to the occasion. Think about when that trust has been offered to you as well. When have you shown up perhaps for, you know, a new job or in a new relationship and somebody has asked, given you kind of a responsibility or um, made a request and you've really shown up and done what you've been asked. And then think about the times when you've extended trust to somebody and they've broken that trust. And perhaps also when you've done that as well. You know, perhaps when somebody has given you a secret or something to, um, that is, that is really close to them that they don't want you to share and you've shared it or, you know, something similar, but again, start to refine, what does this trust bubble look like? What are the edges? How is it shaped? What would define betrayals of trust on small and bigger levels? 
and you can use experiences that you've already had or, you know, what really affirms trust? What builds trust more than anything? And then the last component of security in a relationship is kind of a two-parter. It's being able to ask and receive support, but also being able to be seen, to have space for yourself in that relationship. And why am I putting these two things together? Well, because being able to ask and receive support is absolutely key to feeling like you are being held in a relationship, that you're on a team, that somebody has got your back and that, you know, even if you don't have the resources, don't have the energy, don't have the time, something's happened, you will still be held. You will still be taken care of. You will still be supported. And there's space for you to ask for that support. That is absolutely key to continuing and furthering the security of a relationship. But then being able to be seen and having space for yourself is also part of that. And I, and I want to also name the distinction. Being able to be seen kind of ties back to the vulnerability aspect of security and relationships, but it's also being heard, being validated, being acknowledged in the way that you really feel like you're being witnessed. This is, this is something that I almost don't know how to describe <laughs> because it's a, it's such a felt experience, but when you feel seen, you know, right. You know, when, when somebody looks at you or when they reflect you back to yourself and you're like, that is me, that is, you really actually see me and you, you see me because you have made space to see me. You listen to me, you empathize with my experience, you allow me the space to express myself and be vulnerable and you absorb enough of me so that you can then support me in the way that I need to be supported. You can hold me in the way that I need to be held. I can ask you for help and you can know how to help me. And this is a soft one. You know, this is, um, this is sort of a, a tricky one because you're, we're not always going to be seen the way that we see ourselves or that we want to be seen. We're not always going to get the help that we need, um, or that we want. That's going to be the most effective for what it is that we're going through. But I think if people that we're with are making the effort to see and understand who you are and are doing their best to help in whatever way that they can, that's a key component to security and the relationship, because that then creates the space and the possibility to refine what that looks like, refine your needs, refine how it is that you express yourself and how you are received by the other person. But there has to be that space to, and that ability to start. And I think when I say this, I'm, I'm really hoping I'm banking on the fact that you probably know what I'm talking about because It's a very clear experience when you're not seen or when you ask for help and that help is not given or you need support and that support is not there or there's no space for, for your, for your needs or for that support. And so similarly with all these other aspects of 
security. I want you to think about relationships that you have been in where you have been able to ask for support and help. And that support has been given. And how was it return? How was that experience? What did it look like? What did it feel like? And also what relationships do you have now or have you had in the past where you have clearly felt like you're being seen and that space is being made for you, that you don't have to show up and be the therapist, the healer, the helper, the supporter, the, the one who takes care of everything, but that there is space made for, for you to be able to vent, to unwind, to fall apart even, and to be held by the other person and to be really witnessed in your experience. And in conjunction with that, the relationships that have felt really validating because again, you've been reflected back to yourself by the other person and it feels as though they really know you and acknowledge you. So, and then, you know, obviously alternatively think about the relationships where those things have not been, been made available when there has not been space for you. Um, there's not been space for your support. And how does that also define this last component of security? So all of these things make up the multidimensional quality of security in any relationships dynamics. I do want to just address a few other questions that have come in that are connected to this whole topic. And the first one is, how do you advocate for what you need in relationships? And this is where I would go back to nonviolent communication as a resource, as a tool. The, the general formula is name what hurt you, name what you need, and then very clearly state as a request, can this need be met? And I know that that can be difficult in itself because sometimes even knowing what we need can be huge. But I truly believe that if we give ourselves the space and the time to focus on what it is that's missing, we can start to define what it is that needs to be given to us. You know, when I think about those two really, really tough relationships, I didn't know that. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know that I was in a deeply insecure relationship with my romantic partner and my business partner. I felt it, but I didn't have, again, I didn't have the language, but it was over time that I started recognizing what my felt experience was. And I started being able to observe which specific interactions and experiences were triggering my insecurity and my doubt and what experiences were clearly not allowing me to be vulnerable or to express myself or to be seen or to be heard where trust was missing. And the more I paid attention and brought mindfulness to those experiences, the more I was able to thread the connections and start to pay attention to what, what was missing. If I was experiencing insecurity, what would make me feel secure in those moments? And sometimes it's, it's as simple as that. If you're looking at an experience and you're like, I'm not, a need is not being met here. Think about the alternative. If you had it 
perfectly, exactly how you wanted it to be, what would be the difference? What would be the language difference? What would be the physical environment difference? What would be, what would be the difference, the felt experience difference? And how can you then create language to define what those difference, what that difference is, what those differences are to then be able to express that to the other person. And that is advocating for what you need. And just a note too, that this is answering another question, which is how do you know when you're having to advocate for yourself too much in relationships? And this is, you know, this is where, again, there's a boundary line that you have to set. Every relationship requires some sort of compromise. There's, you know, it's not always going to be we're exactly the same. We agree on everything. Everything is the way that it is again, because relationships are containers for healing and healing does not happen if everything is super smooth sailing and there is no conflict or there is no friction. But if you find that you are consistently having to advocate for the same need over and over and over and over, decide what is your limit because having our needs being met in a relationship, that's the, that's the support that's being able to ask for and receive support component. And if you're not being able to get that support, then you are either having to make up for that support in yourself. And that can be really, really hard when it feels like that should be something that you can receive as a team member, as a teammate with you and the other person in this relationship. So This is another area where I would say define a timeline. You know, if you find yourself consistently advocating for the same thing over and over and over, ask yourself, is this something that I can let go of that I don't actually need? Or if it is something that I do need, how, how long can I go? How many requests can I make? And when is the breaking point? And you'll know, you'll know when the breaking point is because also sometimes it just takes expressing it differently making the request differently in different ways. Sometimes people need to hear it a few times, but if it's too much, then um, think about what you're willing to put up with. And then there's two more questions I'll just quickly address that have come in. And one is, how do you know when you're compromising too much for a relationship? And this is an energetic assessment because relationship is a give and take. It's an energy exchange. And again, you're on a team. And if you find that you're giving a lot on this team and you're wielding a lot of your energy and it doesn't feel like there is a lot of energy being returned to the point where you're exhausted or you're really feeling the space of (laughs) of not a lot of energy. Um, this is where I would start to ask yourself if there's too much of you being left out of the equation, or if you're taking on too much responsibility in the relationship. And this is a, this is an interesting question because compromise is unique also to all of us. Some people are inherent givers and they thrive on giving. And then some people get it. It needs to be a give and take and it needs to feel more 50, 50. And this is where also the love languages can come into play, you know, gifts, uh, (laughs) 
quality time. Um, all of these ways of expressing love, expressing affection can be considered because sometimes also, um, when it feels like we might be giving too much to another person, they might also be feeling the same way, but it's not being met or it's not being expressed in the way that we really see or need because it's not the kind of love that, that really feeds us. So think about or assess how much energy you're spending on the relationship and how much you feel like you're not being included, being included in the relationship. If you feel like, again, you're having to change your demeanor, change your appearance, change your behavior. If it's starting to feel like you're contorting yourself a lot. And again, this is where you'll know because you'll start to feel that doubt kind of creep in more and more and more. Or alternatively, you also might feel anger because your boundaries are being crossed all the time and your integrity is being questioned often. I think that's when you'll know if you're compromising too much. And this is where, you know, I wouldn't say cut out the relationship completely, but address it, you know, try resolving from conflict, address your needs, advocate for your needs, see how it gets met in return. Because sometimes we inherently give too much without realizing it. And then become resentful because that ability to give is not being met in the way that we want to. Meanwhile, the other person feels like nothing is wrong. (laughs) So there's lots of ways to kind of interpret this question. Um, But I would say assess your energy levels, assess how much you feel like you're maybe, again, not showing up in the relationship, and then see how you can advocate for more space. And then the very last question is, how important is it to remain vulnerable to to find security in relationships? And I love this question. Because this is, this is, I feel like this is key. This is a key component to being a human and finding relationships. Being vulnerable is extremely important. I don't think that there is a way to truly connect, to deeply connect with another person, unless there is some expression of vulnerability. And vulnerability is inherently tied to courage and courage is, is connected to the heart, right? Cur comes from the French word heart, courage, the ability to express from the heart. So, you know, you can look to Brene Brown for, for so much about this very, very specific subject, but I think we can all know, we can all assess for ourselves that when we are able to express from the heart, in a real vulnerable and sincere way. And that vulnerability scale will change depending on who you're with. Sometimes it's the smallest statement that seems really, really small in one relationship can feel enormous to express in another relationship. So know that you got to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. Every relationship is going to be different. The, the vulnerability scale is going gonna, is gonna to feel different. The spectrum is going to feel different. But if you're able to express something sincerely from the heart and it's able to be met and received and seen and affirmed, that creates a tie that creates an added thread from your heart to the other person that creates an opening that creates space. If you express vulnerability and it's not returned, obviously that can feel like a bit more of a shutting down, like a thread or um, an extension of yourself has been reached out and it has not been received. So 
vulnerability, being able to be vulnerable and having it received just deepens, 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 deepens the foundation. In one of the other relationship episodes, I talk about how every relationship is like this woven tapestry and every connection is a thread from you to the other person that builds the foundation of the relationship and every expression of vulnerability, you know, it's, it's that thread and it creates the more threads you have, the stronger tapestry you have. So yes, it's extremely important is I guess all I have to say. So anyways, this is a very long podcast episode, but in thinking about what we do here at Life Design, what I've discussed with my clients so many times, these these are key components to any foundational aspect of a relationship. I mean, again, there's so many, there's so much we could get into here. I could take each and every one of those components and dive into them. This is really just touching the surface, but I hope that you found this episode really helpful especially in thinking about your relationships and which ones are secure or the ones that you perhaps aren't so sure about and perhaps are a little insecure about and are questioning. So if you are the latter, I really recommend answering some of those questions that I pose throughout the podcast and just doing a little assessment. What are your boundaries? How much do you really feel safe? in your relationships and how much are you allowed to be safe. And so that will be it for today, friends. Thank you so much for listening. If you do um, work with any of the questions in this podcast, or if you have anything else that you want to share about your experience, uh, experiences with relationships and these um, insecurity and relationships, we would love, love, love to hear from you. You can hit us up on the website or on socials. Thank you all so much for, for tuning in and we will see you in the next one. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what we do here, please feel free to share, follow, write a review, or let us know what you think. We love hearing from you, our community. So if you have any thoughts, ideas, or questions about any of the work that we do here at Life Design Co., please feel free to contact us. On Instagram, we're Life Design Co., or you can email us at hello at thelifedesign.co. This podcast is a production of Life Design Co. and hosted by me, Hollis Maloney, and edited by Kimmy and Dunn. Thank you again for listening and see you in the next one.